Marilyn made. Be who you are. Do what you want. The podcast. Brought to you by the number one student athlete development program in the world. Welcome back for another episode of the Maryland Made Podcast. You all should know my name by now, but my, if not, it's Nate McGill, and I serve as the Program Director for Student Athlete Career Development. The Maryland Made Podcast provides timely, relevant, and practical information to empower our student athletes to explore their potentials and to pursue their passions. Today, we have a very exciting episode, and I think our listeners, our viewers are going to definitely enjoy this one. We have Moses Ano who is a player service manager at the NFLPA. And we also have Alexander Martin from the Miami Dolphins, who serves as a manager of player engagement. So I'm super excited to have this conversation. One, because a lot of our student athletes want to play at the next level, whether it's any of our sports. Um, so I thought it was very great to have these individuals come on and talk about the next level. So without further ado, you know, can you guys give a brief introduction about what you all do uh, again, talking a little bit more about your titles and your duties at your current employer. Alexander, would you like to start off? Yeah, sure. I'll go ahead and kick it off. Definitely appreciate you having us on. Um, any opportunity I think we get to where we can kind of highlight and showcase what we do for our players, you know, both on and off the field, I think is absolutely crucial. Um, I think you hear all the time from you know, Sports Center, ESPN, you hear about all the stats that these players are getting, right? Like you hear about all the numbers, but you don't get to hear about who they are as a human and who they are as a person. Um, and I think that's where, you know, roles like me and Moses has come in where we're able to really kind of dig into who the player is as a human, um, as, as a father, son, brother, uncle, husband, like all those things. And so um, in my role with the Miami Dolphins and player engagement, that is my job is to make sure that I pour into who the player is off the field when they don't, when they don't, when he doesn't have a helmet on. Um, what I love most about my job is, you know, everyone, they kind of see NFL athletes, you know, as just that as athletes, but most of them don't even know that a lot of these athletes have businesses of their own families of their own. They have their own 501c3 nonprofit organizations. They're very tied to their communities. And whenever we get a chance to highlight those opportunities, that's what makes me cheer even harder on game day. It's like, you know, if they score the winning touchdown and get the, the game winning interception, like that's great. But I also know that they're doing that plus more or just as much, if not more, off the field. Love it. Yeah, no, that's great. And a lot of what you said, I, if, I, if I could mirror it, I definitely would. Um, for it. But in my position, it's similar, man. We're, we're there for the players outside of the helmet as well as inside of the helmet. So, you know, within NFLPA, you know, we're the union for the players. Um, and then where I sit more specifically is the NFL Players, Inc. So similar thing, being there for the players off the field, but more so from a business and marketing standpoint. Um, we work in tandem a lot with our player affairs department, who Alex usually works a lot with, um, mm -hmm. you know, getting to know what they like to do off the field so that from a marketing side, um, I work with all the NFL sponsors and different brands and licensees and basically a bridge between them and the players, right? So our goal is to help players make as much money as they can, maximize the, you know, they say three to five years they have in the league, um, mm -hmm. get them as much money as they can off the field. So marketing endorsements, appearances on their off days, um, whatever it may be, we want to we want to make sure that we get players deals and not just, you know, the top 50 players you want to get every player in the league, uh, a deal. So that's where, that's what I do on my day to day. Perfect, man. I love that. And I'm thinking about just this conversation before we get started, just like I said, a lot of students want to go play professionally. And I think sitting in my seat and just, Alex, I know you worked in college athletics before as well. We always have the mindset of 
preparing students for, you know, the professional world outside of athletics. So I really think this conversation is, is going to be beneficial for those who are, you know, going to make it to the next level in play to really see what's next. So um, I'm a former student athlete myself, and I know that I struggled at times making that transition from sport um, to the real world. So I really wanted to talk touch on the athletic identity portion. So uh, could you all talk to me a little bit more about your career journey, if you all struggle with that, making that transition to the real world? Um, yeah, talk to me a little bit more about that. Yeah, I, I kick it off already. Uh, so I started playing football at the age of nine. Uh, football was my main sport. I tried, you know, baseball. Uh, I tried uh, baseball until I got hit at the mound. I was like, yeah, no, nah, I'm good. I'm going to stick to the padded sports. Uh, and then I did basketball as well. So basketball and base, uh, football were my main two sports. So played from Little League all the way up to high school. Was fortunate enough to go play at Stevenson University in Baltimore, um, defensive end. And, you know, when we talk about identity, um, thinking about it, playing from such a young age, I just molded my identity into being just an athlete, you know, right? We play at that age, you know, we're in high school, we wear our jerseys to, you know, to the school on game day. And then once you're in college, you basically, all you wear is, you know, collegiate gear, you know, people see you as the athlete. So it's easy to mold yourself into being just that if you don't, you know, if you're just unconscious go, going about it. So. Once I got to my senior year, um, I didn't really know, you know, what I wanted to do. I knew football was over. I had a seat at the table with the the, uh, the CFL team and things didn't go as I thought it would. So I kind of had to hit a path where I had to figure out what it exactly is I had to do. Um, and that's kind of where I realized that my identity was wrapped into the game so much rather than looking at it as a tool that I didn't know I want, what I wanted to do. Um, fortunate enough, I was able to go get my master's and, you know, I wanted to stay in sports and do something related to that. I thought that was an agent because at that time, that's a lot, a lot of us, we only think that you could either be an athlete or an agent. Um, so I went there and I got opened up to the entire world of, you know, sports and what we do and finding out about jobs, like what Alex does and what I do and different things like that. Um, and tying back to identity, I think that it made me realize that this game, along with many other gifts that, you know, God has given us is just a tool. It's not something that our identity should be wrapped up in. And I think that as, you know, especially for us talking to the next generation, um, identity and realizing that sooner helps you utilize the game much better, right? It helps you become a pro better, helps you to use the game to your advantage better, do internships, things like that. So, um, all that to say, man, I, I think that if we just limit our identity to just as athletes, we limit ourselves and what we're capable of. Um, and once we break that mold, we can see that, you know, this is something that is not a means to the end. It's 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 a way of getting to where we want to go. Right. What Alexander talked about being husbands, fathers, nonprofits, all that type of stuff. If your identity is just wrapped in an athlete, then, you know, you won't really see all that, that happen. Right. So I, Hopefully that, that answer, that's that's something that I'm passionate about. I really why I want to work in, why I work in sports is because of that identity piece and what I've gone through with it. Uh, I'll kick it over to you, my man. Yeah, no, I appreciate that most because it, it is an interesting perspective um, similar to you. So I grew up playing football and running track. That was that was my one and two right there. In the fall, I was playing football. In the spring, I was running track. I did one to kind of, you know, help prepare me for the other. You yeah. know, so it's easy to fall into just the identity of an athlete, like a student athlete or an athlete overall, when that's all you do growing up. 
you know, even when we was kids with the two big shoulder pads, you know, running mm -hmm. going around and you got the big helmet that's wobbling, like yeah. you kind of grew up in a sense of like, all right, you know, when's the next sport I'm going to play? Um, whether that's backyard football, backyard basketball, or, you know, taking the shoes off and racing the neighbors, like you just kind of grew up around sports. And once you get to the age where you realize, you know, you play, you there's an opportunity to play organized sports, it kind of continues as you grow. And so for me, I got to college playing wide receiver. Um, it got to that last home game, which was homecoming my senior year. So I realized like, man, this is it for me after this. And now I got, you know, an entire semester of just time on my hands where I don't know what I'm going to do with so much time because I'm used to waking up at a certain time. Someone telling me when I got to be at practice, when I got to be at Lyft, when we got to travel. Um, I literally had a schedule that someone gave me that I had to follow, you know, and so I wasn't when I got to my senior year, I was like time management overdrive because I had too much time that I didn't know what to do with it because I was so used to it just being filled with other things. And so I kind of had to use that time wisely in order to figure out one what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. But two, um, one thing I harp on, you know, with my athletes is how to utilize those transferable skills that I got from football to get to where I am now. And, you know, again, I, I started off in higher ed before I even got to playing in the pro uh, or not playing, but um, doing the work that I am in, in, in the pros. I started off doing student affairs and, and um, uh, it's called campus activities. Mm -hmm. So I was doing all the like family weekend, homecoming, all the concerts, comedy shows, late night programs. I was doing all that. I got way too many t-shirts, like free t-shirts. I got, I still got all of them, way too many. Um, but the reason I got that was because I needed to learn, I needed to learn how to take all the energy that I had from playing football mm -hmm. and channel it into something. And so campus activities kept me on the go. My major was actually computer science, right? But I had way too much energy to sit behind a computer and code for 10 to 12 hours a day for the rest of my life. I got way too much energy for that. Um, but I knew I wanted to get into, uh, you know, collegiate sports. However, I didn't have a student athlete development office when I was playing. SIU didn't have one of those. So when it came to personal development, leadership development, career development, like I had to learn all that on my own. Um, and that was hard, you know? And so once I got to UM, you know, it was literally my first week there. I was, you know, learning the, the lay of the land, um, knowing I'd have to come up with programs for, you know, the entire student population. And then once I met my future supervisor, Sherelle Jackson, who was working in student athlete development, she created that at UM. I met her on my first week on campus and I was asking her what she does. And she was like, well, I oversee the personal development, the career development and the leadership development for all 400 of our student athletes. And so I'm like, wait, you do what now? And right. then she was telling me, she broke it down. I'm like, so where were you at when I was playing yeah, you know, this yeah. last year? Like, where was you at when I was playing? I didn't have this, whatever this is, I wanted. You know, I'm like, yo, so like, I know this is my first week on the job, but like, do you have a position open? Because I could see myself doing that. <laughs> and she, she was like, well, I don't, but if you're still around in a few years, I'll come holler at you. And sure enough, I sat in student affairs for, it was about two, two and a half years. And one day she called me and from there, we kind of shot off and really like elevated the student athlete development office at UM. It was me, her, and Sarah Barron. And I thoroughly loved what I was doing, thoroughly loved it. And then kind of fast forward to me with the Dolphins, you know, with the Hurricanes, I kind of got to a point to where, you know, I was ready for that next step. I was ready for that next role. I was ready for more responsibility. And to be honest, the reason I'm with the Dolphins now is because I picked up the phone. <laughs> like It wasn't something that I applied for. It wasn't something that I had reached out to anybody for. Um, my previous supervisor, um, well, he's no longer there now. I kind of taken over his role, but he had called me just randomly on a Tuesday, you know, mm -hmm. and he had called me and it was like, you know, are you free for an interview today at two o'clock? It was 12. And I said, yeah, I canceled three. I had three meetings that day. I canceled them all to make that two o'clock interview. 
Um, did that interview at two o'clock that Tuesday. They brought me in the following Thursday, um, called me the following Monday, let me know. They let me know a decision by Friday. And they called me the following Thursday with the offer, signed my contract the next day. So the whole process took eight days, which is crazy coming from the higher ed world. But it just goes to show how fast things move and just being ready for the opportunity when it when it presents itself. Um, but again, very long story shortened. But again, it's just, you know, crazy football has set me up in so different ways to where it's just keep your head on a swivel for any opportunity, whether that's, you know, a, a ball being thrown at you from a wide receiver perspective or a job opportunity being thrown at you from the professional perspective. Yeah. And I, I did want to touch There's something good that you said about, you know, um, you wish you had that when you were playing, right? I feel the same way. And a lot of times, you know, fortunately, like we got to a path where we were able to figure out, you know, that this wasn't our identity, but the things that we learned in yep. the sport that we played, you know, the integrity, the discipline, that how to fight adversity, we were able to translate it over to where we're at now, right? And a lot of times, unfortunately, we don't see some guys make it out of that, right? They get so wrapped up in their identity, um, being in the game that when it's gone, depression hits, right? Hard times hit. Um, you see unfortunate situations. So I think that um, being able to speak, if I if I had somebody tell me that my identity wasn't an athlete when I was probably in like middle school, high school, I probably could have saved me a lot of time, right? And, I, and how much, yeah, and how much more for the next group of guys, right? Um, so I think that that's one of like the foundational pieces, especially in you know the collegiate space that you're in, Nate. Um, that's why it's, it's a great message. Definitely. And that kind of leads us to our next question. Um, and I know you got, like I said, we know you work with these high profile athletes. Um, how often do you see them struggle with that, the identity piece at that next level? Um, maybe they get hurt at the next level or, you know, I said three to five years, they make that transition. How often do you see that? And then what does your organization, whether it be the Miami Dolphins specifically or NFLPA do to support these these uh, athletes going through those kind of crises. Yeah, no, I mean, I think surprisingly you see it more than you think, right? Uh, yeah. As you get in high school, you get praised to a certain level. College, mm -hmm. you get praised to, you know, a level higher. Mm -hmm. But now when you're in the NFL, you're at the top of the top, right? And, yeah. and you're that guy, right? So it's even harder to see yourself outside of just being that, right? So my job is to figure out what you like to do you know, especially in marketing, a lot of storytelling and branding and opportunities are shifting into being able to relate with what the influencer, in this case, being the athlete, likes to do outside of the game, right? So a lot of what I need to figure out is what do you like to do outside of football, right? What are your passions? Is it music? Is it fashion? Is it, you know, what it, what is it? And a lot of times guys can't necessarily answer that or, you know, it takes a little bit more time for them to figure out, which is why we're there to help have those conversations. Um, some guys hit it on the head, they know, you know, coming in, but a lot of guys struggle, right? Um, and then even we just have our pair program, which is our, our program for injury reserve guys. When guys are hurt, they can't really perform on the field. So we bring them in, you know, to do that as well as provide resources. Um, but yeah, it, it, it happens a lot, man. Guys, <laughs> you're in the league, but you still don't know exactly what's going to happen after, right? You're going to play, you're going to live a lot more than you play football. And that's, that's mm -hmm. a And um, I think that our job, you know, a lot of the, some of the research that we have to help you figure that out is um, one, we have our externship program, which, you know, 
I think as you're you're familiar with that, you mm -hmm. probably know everything I'm about to talk about. Um, the externship program is where we have you know a lot of businesses we work with to get um, NFL players in their off seasons, interning with them for two to three weeks to figure out you know what they like, and players can go through it every uh, every off season if they want. Pick between different uh, companies and brands, anywhere from you know NASA to um, working at, you know, sleep number or whatever it may be, like figuring out what it is that you like outside of the game so that you set yourself up, you know, for that, right? Your NFL players being able to meet with CEOs and execs right off the bat, what kind of, that's a great experience, right? So that's one thing. And then two, we have a campaign that's, you know, we started called Athlete and which is really trying to tell stories of athletes and what they like to do outside of just being an athlete, hence Athlete and um, just to kind of, you know, get guys' brains going and sharing the stories that's out there, but as well as inspiring others, right? If you're listening to a guy talk about what he does outside of the game, it makes you start to think about, okay, what is it What is it that I want to do outside? Um, so, yeah, we see it happen a lot, but, you know, with the programs that we put in place, and I'm sure Alexander's going to give a lot more, we're, we're trying to change the narrative of guys only sticking to just being an athlete, just being a football player, because they're, they're much more than that. Yeah, I mean, I, I too, I'm just kind of not necessarily reiterate, but kind of double down on what most was talking about. Like, I think the NFLPA does a phenomenal job in setting up things like athlete and to be able to give athletes their own platform to talk about who they are in addition to being a student athlete. Um, and then I love this conversation because it's so complimentary, right? We got the college space, you know, the NFL, but then you got the NFLPA to kind of complete the trifecta. Um, but, you know, going back to that transition piece, particularly for, you know, when you, when you look at college players, again, like we all play football, it's, you know, it's targeting on football. So number one recruit in high school going into a college, right? You know, number one recruit coming out of high school, you got the four or five stars. Everyone's looking at you, like Moses said, to be that guy. Well, now fast forward, you know, it's your last season. You're the, you know, potentially number one, two, three draft pick. So the same as you was a highly touted guy coming out of high school, going into college, you're the same highly touted guy coming out of college, going into the NFL, what happens when you get to the NFL though? Now you're there with other first, second, third round draft picks. So now from an identity piece and a transition piece, you're used to being that guy in college and being the starter for the, the three, four, five year starter. So now you and the pros, everybody else around you was a starter as well. So you may not be playing that first year. You may be in practice squad. You ain't never been on a practice squad or a scout team your whole life, but all of a sudden now you want practice squad and you don't like it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So that's that transition piece where they're like, I'm not used to not playing or I'm not used to not starting. And how do you go about handling that? And I think too, that's where not only identity comes into play, but also just that transition piece of as a player, part of your athletic identity is who you see yourself when you're on the field. You see yourself as a starter, as a starting wide receiver. You may not used to seeing yourself as a practice squad player. You may not used to seeing yourself as a backup. But again, that's also transition. Like, all right, you're in a new space now to where the person ahead of you was the leading rusher last year. Of course, you're going to sit behind that player this year. Like, that's the leading rusher. Like, you're understanding your role in this system, part of the transition piece, but also part of the identity piece. But what I think is so important about what Moses was talking about was when I take what I do as far as NFL player engagement, and I work alongside the PA to make sure that we're getting out of these players Every, every bit of who they are outside of being an athlete, I think that's when they start to enjoy their time in the NFL more. Because I think they start to realize, well, while I'm in this building, no matter what building it is or what team it is, there are opportunities. Yes, there'll be opportunities to play, 
but there's also opportunities to grow as an individual. There's opportunities to grow as a father. There's also opportunities to grow as a businessman, as an entrepreneur. Um, if you have interest in real estate, if you have interest in becoming a media personality, there are multiple things you can do from being a football player to leverage the platform you already have to springboard your next career. I talk to guys all day about their interest in real estate. I talk to guys all day about their interest in wanting to be, you know, in the booth one day commentating games. So what do we do? We'll watch a game during rookie success one day and have one of our guys get on the microphone and start commentating the game to get them reps. You know, when we're talking about players, what's the best way to get to understand something through repetition, right? When you want to get stronger in the weight room, what do you do? You do reps. When you, when you want to become a better receiver, what do you do? You run routes, you run reps. Well, if you want to be a better, you know, color commentator during the game, you do those same reps. So it's trying to find creative ways to get the players, one, to understand who they are outside of a football player, two, areas of interest. And like Moses said, passions they have outside of being a player and how to uniquely and creatively give them those opportunities, um, whether that's through media, working with the media department, working through the PA or working through other programs provided by the NFL. Wow. Alexander, I know you talked about this and um it was about the mental health I wanted to go back to the mental health piece because while we're still talking about identity I think that when you make these transitions um and you are the man you know or or a woman and if it's a woman at a sport and you and you drop off there are some mental things that you will go through and maybe like you yeah. said maybe you've been feeling like you don't even want to play football anymore yeah so talk to me a little bit more about some mental health resources that are provided um on that level I know right now we're trying to get that mental health is a huge talking point now in college athletics, really. Yeah. But talk to us a little bit more about some of the resources that players have access to at that level. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, it's a conversation that's heavy in the collegiate space, but it only continues in the pros. Um, and, and even, you know, for the Dolphins, we have our um, our team clinician, you know, our, our um, name is Dr. Rob Seifert. That's my guy. Like the way he's able to talk with our guys. And it's not more so from a, you know, um, person authority to a player mode. You know, it's all about getting to know the uh, getting to know the player and getting to know what it is they need from a simple conversation of emotional intelligence. Um, players go through a lot, and I don't think people really understand the schedule. You know, speaking from the NFL perspective, the schedule of a season. Most times, people only see the players on Sunday, but they don't realize there's a game on Sunday. They got to come into the building on Monday to watch the film from the game the previous day plus lift. Yeah, they get Tuesday off, but then they're right back and they have practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and a walk through Saturday, plus a travel day just to play again. So essentially, and we all know, like, there's no such thing as an off day. Like, even on an off day, you're still getting a lift in, you're coming for treatment, you're watching film. So they're essentially in the building every single day. That's time that they aren't with their family. You know, for example, this year, we play the 49ers and the Chargers back to back, you know, so that we're going to spend a week in California. That's a week these guys aren't going to be able to see their family. That's a week they'll be away from their family. Like, again, as a as a father, a brother, uncle, whatever, family is huge, especially in football. When you're when you're the more time you spend in the building or more time you spend traveling, that's less time you're able to spend with your family. So that stuff kind of weighs down on a person. You know, so that's what I appreciate so much about Rob Cyphers, his ability to kind of gauge where we are in the season and start the uptick on guys. But I also think you got to be you got to be careful, primarily with African-American men, about how you approach the conversation. Most of the time, we don't like asking for help. But my job in player engagement, when I'm watching guys on the practice field, right? So my job is to pay attention to things like, all right, who's not, you know, performing at the level which they're, they're used to performing? If I'm seeing someone slow tick or if I'm seeing someone running slower than they usually are, there may be something there 
that I may need to look into. So I may pull the player aside and be like, Yo, bro, is everything good? You straight? Most of the time, it's just a quick yeah, but every now and then they'll follow up, which starts the conversation. And when you talk about mental health resources, like I think one, it starts with the conversation in my office, player engagement. But then from there, like I said, we also have our team chaplain. We also have our team clinician. But from there, you can go to the PA. From there, you can go to the NFL. There's resources all over the place. And I also think in, in this space, which I've learned too in my role going into the second year with the Dolphins is, again, you, you have to be careful how you approach the conversation because you don't want to tell the player there's something wrong with them. You don't want to approach it that way. You want to build authentic and organic relationships to where the player becomes comfortable enough to trust you to have what sometimes may be a private conversation. And then you then you know what to do and where to go from there to get them the help that they need. So it's a hard, it's a necessary conversation for sure. But I also think you have to be careful about how you go about it because you don't want to tell a player, hey, I saw you, you know, drop more passes today than you usually do. What's wrong? You don't want to force them to think that there is something wrong when there may not be. They could just be having an off day. But you do have to keep a keen eye open and notice like when something may be off with the player and kind of approach it uniquely to make sure that they know they have the help if they need it, um, but not force it on them. No, yeah, that's great. I'll add on. I know I think one of the benefits of uh, a role that you have, Alexander, is just the proximity. Um, I know that a lot of times, you know, we we do have our resources. We have our our wellness department at the NFLPA, but, you know, being able to be there and, like you said, build relationships with the guy, I think that's one of the biggest things. Like, um, from a football standpoint, I, I coach football in high school as well and kind of serve in the, a character coach type of role and the proximity and just the relationship um, you being there on a day-to-day -day basis and players being able to see that, I think that's one of the biggest things to, to getting to that mental health conversation, like you said, um, being able to, to get some breakthrough there. So I, I love that. that. Yeah, I'd, be, I'd be quick to pick up the phone. Like I'll call somebody, yeah. yay or the NFL, and be like, hey, just a heads up, like I have a player that may be struggling with this. I have my page of uh, work-life resources that I get from the mm -hmm. NFL. I match that with the document I get from the PA, and then we make magic happen. Like it, yeah. it takes a legit team effort. <laughs> yeah, literally. It's, it's a team effort, you know. Without you guys on on the ground, it, it would make our jobs a lot harder, right? Without having the context and knowing what's going on, so yeah, for sure. So now I kind of want to take the the conversation in a different lens, right? So I think that what you all shared was great, though, just knowing that you guys do support these athletes at the next level when they feel like you know they're on top of the world. But now I'm looking through the lens more of a student athlete who is thinking they're going to make that transition. Maybe they're about to graduate or they're getting a call from agents, prospects, things of that nature. So if I'm a student athlete in his shoes, um, what are some things that I can do to best prepare myself for making that transition to the next level? Um, what skills should maybe I be developing in college um, that will benefit me once I make that transition? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is, one, you got to... I could call it being a, we all heard the term being a student of the game, right? Mm -hmm. Like in, in this case, being a student of football, um, film, studying film, studying plays, install is very different at the NFL level. It's very different. Like you've seen an NFL playbook, it's thick, but right. at the same time, what you see on install on Wednesday could change by the time Friday come around. Right. So I think for student athletes looking to grow in their, in their sport professionally, you got to become a student of the game where you have to relearn the game from the lens of, all right, the next step of the next step or the next phase of my career is playing this game professionally with people who have played this game for as long as I've been alive. All right. I tell some of our rookies now, like, yo, like you may be, 
you know, 2021, 22, we've got people in the, that's been in the league, you know, 12, 13, 14 years. So as long as you've been alive, they've been playing the game. So there are tricks that they know to stop you. There are tricks that they know to get around you. There are trick. There are some things that they've learned along the way through experience that you may not be privy to yet. So when I say be a student of the game, it goes beyond just looking at the playbook. It goes beyond just looking at the film saying, okay, I know what play this is. I know what play this is. It's looking at the film from a standpoint of what we call KYP, right? Know your personnel. I speak a lot about wide receivers because that was my game, right? So I talk to you know some of our players. I'm like, I watch how they study film and they look at tendencies, right? So if we're playing, you know, the let's say I, I work for the Dolphins. Let's say we're playing the Dolphins, right? And I'm looking at when I say you know student of the game, I'm looking at all of our DBs, right? I'm looking at their tendencies on first down, looking at their tendencies on second down, looking at their tendencies on third down, fourth down. What personnel is in during what quarter? What personnel is in during what schemes? What packages? When their left foot is up? When their right foot is up? When they're bailing? When they're pressed? You know, like, are they playing cover zero? What do they do when they play cover two? At the college level is the best time to really learn the next phase to learn how to succeed in the NFL. Because again, the, just you can, I feel like you can get by in college. You can't get by in the NFL. It doesn't work like that. In college, like you have classes, you have the academic side, you still have the community service piece. In the NFL, it's all football all day. So you can't go and hide in study hall. You can't go and hide, you know, in in in, in the classroom. Like you can't go and hide somewhere. In the NFL, you're in the building from sun up to sundown. You're either in offensive meetings, defensive meetings, special teams, lift, treatment, or on the practice field, or you're traveling and playing. So there's nowhere to hide. So as long as you're in the building, you have to maximize the time that you or you have to maximize your time in that building to learn everything you can about the team. And you have about two and a half, maybe three days to do that. But again, it comes part of being a student of the game and knowing one, how to make your life as a football player easier when it comes to what's the best way to know this playbook, what's the best way to get the schemes down, while also learning what to expect from the other team. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, going right along that, like it's it's like you said, it's easy to get by in college. And a lot of guys, I think sometimes you think that once you get into the NFL or whatever league, the professional league, that that's when you become a pro. When in honesty, you know, the guys that make a better transition, I don't want to say the best transition because everybody still transitions, but mm-hmm. guys that are a pro before they get there, right? Pro, being a professional, of course, once you make it, that's the official thing, but to live a lifestyle where, you know, you're living as a pro before you even get there is different, right? So how you approach in the way that you do film, like Alexander was talking about, how you approach, how you brand yourself on socials, how you just are in the community, all those different things. It's a mindset that you can start thinking about now. Am I treating this situation as a pro would treat it, right? And, and assessing yourself in that way, right? Um, of course, you know, you got to do what you got to do on the field. Like, that's a given. You know, that's that's not something that, you know, you can you can slide by on. But all the other things, right? One of my favorite um, one of my favorite coaches, Tony Dungy, right? He talked about being uncommon. And he talked about when he was coaching and what he would look for in draft prospects. He didn't say, of course, talent has to be there, but he's looking at how they assess and deal with every situation that comes on and off the field in their lives, all that type of stuff. Um, and that just goes to show, like, they're looking at that stuff. They're looking at how you're treating um, your social media. They're looking at how, you how you know, your coaches are talking about you, how people in your family are talking about you, how all that type of stuff. And and, and that's, what I, that's what I think about it, right? How can you shift your mindset while you're in college right now to approach it as a pro, approach, approach it as somebody that 
has the character and integrity to sustain once they become a professional athlete. Um, because you're going for longevity at the end of the day, right? And those that go for longevity, you know, they, they don't just come and go with the win with it. They, they attack it with uh, intention. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe that's not why I'm in the league, man. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I, I hate to watch the film, but yeah. that's good. Preparation is key. Preparation is key. Preparation is key. And I think that it's a lot of things they can do. And I definitely want to praise our coaches for helping our student athletes understand like social media and like how to be portrayed um, mm-hmm. in positive life and kind of maintaining that, um, you know, that, that, that presence uh, across the, across all platforms. So the next thing I want to ask is more about the barriers um, or struggles you see, you know, they, they, that, that come often with these athletes. So um, what, what might stunt their growth um, or something that you see often you know, whether it be with the Dolphins or any other team uh, that you work with Moses? That's a good question. Um, I think one of the biggest things, of course, is it's is out there. Like social media is way different than how it was when, when I was playing. I mean, I'm not that old, but I didn't get Instagram until I was probably like a sophomore or junior in college, right? <laughs> uh, so I couldn't really see what my boys is doing over down the street at their school or, you know, see we didn't have NIL of course too so that's a whole nother thing um but I think just in general barriers are just things that are distractions um and nowadays you know there's so much that's distracting us generally um whether it be distracting us from the field or distracting us from you know being a professional like we talked about or finding what our true identity is um but I don't know it's hard to pinpoint exactly one distraction I would say um I don't know. Let me, th- let me, I feel like, Isaiah, you might have one because you're right there in the mix, but I'll go off of you. Yeah, you know, I, I hear you. I hear and the distraction piece is huge because look at like here down in Miami, right? Like, well, yeah, you're in Miami. That's, <laughs> yeah, we already know what that is. Exactly. You're right. So you come from, you know, small town, you know, Hoosville, right? And then you first round draft pick. And the next thing you know, you're on literally the next flight to Miami, Florida, where everything is everywhere. Um, so definitely distractions one. But I think, too, what I see oftentimes is guys who come in, guys who come in thinking they just nice like that. And they can get they can get by because they're nice like that, and then realize nice like that in college is very different than just being nice like that in the pros. Um, I think one thing that the NFL will do is humble you real quickly, right? So um, you might have thought she was the best thing coming out of college until you get picked up in the sixth, seventh round, right? Or you know you get picked up as an undrafted free agent, and I think most guys come in. You know, and it, it ties to what Rose was talking about when it comes to distractions where, yes, there's distractions on the city, but also just distractions of, you know, walking around with the clout of being an NFL player to where now you're walking around telling people, yeah, I'm the NFL, I'm the NFL. And like, you ain't done nothing yet, you know? And so when we talk about what stunts the growth of, you know, I would say new players in the NFL is their the inability to want to learn how to grow and the inability to want to learn how to relearn being a professional athlete or a football player. Uh, so we do these uh, sessions called Rookie Success Sessions for our Rookie Success Program, where I get to meet with our rookies. Um, it's usually, you know, once or twice, once or twice a week for an hour um, during the regular season, but it's like every day during the off season for an hour. Um, and I bring up topics to talk to our rookies about how how they can succeed in their rookie year, whether that's financial management, um, how to conduct yourself professionally, time management, stress management, 
um, bringing in all different kinds of speakers that have spoken with other highly successful NFL players and put a blueprint together. It is literally called rookie success because we want our rookies to succeed as an NFL player. Now, again, you can give them all the tools and information they want, but it's up to them to take it and utilize it to the best of their abilities and succeed. Some guys use it. Some guys don't. The guys who don't is because they get distracted. And being in the NFL itself can be a distraction because it comes with clout. You get that blue check mark, you know, on Instagram and Twitter. Now you verified. Now everyone like now you're the guy in that city to where you make a good play. You get all kinds of followers, comments, likes. Everybody loves you. You make a bad play. You get the same thing. Now everybody hates you, but you get the comments. You don't get as many likes. Right. Like it's the 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 inability to want to learn how to be a professional player at the highest competing at the highest level, but then just using the NFL as a distraction, but also just using you know, I want to say life as a distraction, but allowing other things to affect how you emotion, how you physically perform, but also how you, you know, mentally think about approaching the game. I try to make sure that when our guys come in the building, my office is a safe space to be able to talk about whatever. We can talk about football all day. Your coach is going to talk about football. The head coach is going to talk about football. Everyone's going to talk about football. But when you come to my office, yo, how's your family? How's the dog doing? How's the little girl doing? You know, like how's the like how how are how's the business going? Different things like that. So where at least they know in my office they can take off the helmet, put the ball away, just become a regular person. Um, but again, it's 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 not easy for everybody because some people they they like they like to level in those kinds of distractions because it gives them, you know, I don't know, that kind of rush of adrenaline to feel like, all right, I'm overcoming all this stuff. Well, why overcome all that when you ain't got to? Yeah. Like, that's what we're for. That's what the PA's for. Like, let us help you through that. Like you don't got to go through all these distractions unnecessarily. Yeah. And I even add on that and just thinking about it, I think sometimes even the distractions might even be in their own camp, right? You know, there's a lot of people that are, from what I've seen in the sports industry, that necessarily might not even have the player's best interests at heart, you know, at most times. So they are feeding into like the clout mentality that they're getting yeah. and, you know, not really allowing them to see in the long term, but just looking at the moment of that they're in now, which is great, right? Being in the NFL, you guys have the blue tick, the fans and everything, but really not having people in their camp that would take mm-hmm. them out of that cloudy situation and kind of see things in a sober mindset. And, you know, given the reality, like, you know, this is all great, but let's keep the main thing, the main thing, right? Growing in your athletic ability, growing in your character, growing in, you know, what, what, what you can do now to better yourself for the future. So, um, yeah, to answer that question, sometimes it's people in their own camp, man, that, that might just be, you know, be that Achilles crutch for them. Um, and it's a hard reality to realize. I mean, some guys realize it when it's too late. Yeah. Uh, some guy, But there are some some people that have great people in their camp. You know, there's great agents, great reps out there, great, uh, you know, people in roles like Alexander that, that do have their best interests at heart. Um, but I've just seen some instances where, you know, the player might not be getting the best counsel or advice um or just you know might have a lot of yes men around them yeah so one of the main things i just took away from that is keep the main thing the main thing and then also making sure you know who's in your corner and you trust them and they have your best interest in heart so what if you do have the best interest people with the, with their best interest in heart you make keeping the main thing the main thing you practice hard you watch a film and then you get cut or traded right yeah. like what about um that can you can can you help prepare for this like is there anything that once they make it because we know being in the nfl or playing professionally doesn't necessarily last a long time time mm-hmm. is there anything they can do on the front end to kind of prepare for this or not necessarily so in that, that that's interesting because 
I think once you get to the pros, you realize there's a business side of things also. Um, it's unfortunate, but like every year, you know, there's a preseason. So you, you can have up to 90 players on a roster during training camp, right? After that first free, after that first preseason game, you the first cut is from 90 players to 85. After the second preseason game, you cut from 85 to 80. After that third preseason game, you cut from 85 down to 53. It's Ooh. a hard cut. It's rough. Happens every every year. The cuts are coming. Now, can you prepare for that? Yeah, you can do the best you can and put the best tape on, put the best performance on tape that you can and hope other teams have looked at you and be like, okay, that could be a good practice squad player. But you can do or you can have the best week of practice. You can have the best training camp. You can have the best rookie mini camp. You can have the best OTAs. But sometimes it just, unfortunately, this is the real life aspect of it. It comes down to a numbers game, which is a business decision. You can mm-hmm. only have, once the clock of the regular season starts, you can only have 53 players on a roster. Yeah. So going from 90 to 53, you know is going to happen. Now, the good news is just because you get cut from one team doesn't mean you can't get picked up by another, right? right. Now, once you get to the regular season, you know, some things happen where, you know, you bring in one guy, like you can't bring in one guy without cutting another guy. Again, no one wants, I hate having, because that's the conversation I have I have with the players in my role. I'm the first person they see and they talk to when they get in the building. But if they get cut, I'm also the last person they talk to before they leave the building. So the the kind of relationship I build with a player, right? Take rookies, for example. I get in a group of, let's say, 18 rookies during rookie minicamp. We chopping it up all summer long through rookie minicamp, OTAs, training camp, see them balling out during preseason. All of a sudden, you know, come that after that third preseason game, cuts are going to happen. You're going from 90 to 53. And out of the out of the 14 rookies, I'm left with seven. And I had to cut the or like the the other seven got cut. But that's three months of relationships I've built with these players that just falls off, doesn't necessarily fall off the map, but they're no longer with the yeah. Dolphins. And those are the hardest conversations. So as a player, you can prepare for a cut, yeah, by putting your best film or putting your best performance on tape. So where just because you got cut from us on a Tuesday doesn't mean another team can't call you Wednesday or Thursday and pick you up and fly you out for a workout or bring you on the team. So is the cut coming? Yes, absolutely. Can you prepare for it? Yeah, but that preparation means competing at the highest level every single day. So if that cut does come and your name is pulled, okay, you may get cut from our team, but if you put your best film on, if you put your best performance on tape, put your best routes on tape, put your best tackles on tape during the regular or the preseason and training camp, someone will call you with an opportunity, whether that's practice squad or the active roster. Yeah. yeah. And even, even outside of football, I think that there's resources even with our offices that, you know, if a guy gets cut and, he, you know, he's still looking into what he wants to do outside. About the agent program. Yeah, you know, we have, we have programs that are there that for them to – to get plugged in while they're waiting for that call, right? To figure out what it is that they want to do while they're, you know, waiting or whatever. How many times we, we hear stories about guys that was working in insurance and then got called up, you know, yeah. now they're, they're starting quarterback of the team, right? That's not everybody's case, but um, there's stuff that you can be doing while you're training, while you're waiting for that call, um, you know, to prepare yourself. And, and that's why we stand there. Yeah, I say one of the things that one of the things that I just hate seeing is is, is li- literally just like Moses said. It happens more often than not. Somebody will be working in insurance. Their agent calls, "Hey, you got to work out with this team." That's a prime opportunity, right? You like some guys wait all their lives for that one call, but when you get the call and you're not ready to perform during the workout, you're tripping all over yourself. You're mm-hmm. gas during the warm up. It's just it's just not a good look. I'd be yeah. like, oh, bro, like. <laughs> 
like you, like you said, you got to be prepared for the moment, you know, you, and that's some of the things that, that football really teaches you. And um, I think that, you know, like going back to the identity piece, if you, if you look at it as a tool to prepare you for life, you take those things into everything that you do, right? You're going to be prepared, whether it be for football, whether it be for an interview, for a job, whether it be for a physical interview, like a workout, you're going to be ready because, you know, all the stuff that you've taken from this game is applied to every aspect of your life. Yeah. Interesting. So let's say I make it to the NFL, right? I'm in there. I'm doing well, right? What is something I can do to, like, make a name for myself? Maybe outside of playing ball. Is there anything I can do to make a name for myself to kind of be a household name? And then maybe talk to us more about how how important it is for them to maintain their brand or, you know, social media presence. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for the the, the main thing, like you said, the key, the main thing, the main thing, right? Playing right. Ball. In order to eat, in order to eat off the field and marketing money, I, I'm going to come in from a marketing standpoint. In order to eat off the field, you got to eat on the field, right? It's very low chances that a, that a brand or a sponsor is going to work with you. If you're not really, if you're if you're the third guy on the third guy on the bench, right? If you're third string, it's not gonna happen, right? But if you're balling out on the field and you have your moments, there's opportunities for you to capitalize on those moments, right? And the window for opportunity is usually small, and brands will come work with you um, for that time that you're hot. But then once you're not hot anymore, they're gone, right? So it's it's about capitalizing that moment but sustaining it. And I think that if you have a good, of course, it starts with a good marketing and, and branding team, uh, some good reps with you to really understand who you are outside of the game and how they can pitch you to brands and things. But also just like, what what are you into? Start broadcasting that more on your socials, um, even, you know, nonprofit and community work that you're doing, get active in that. Because a lot of times, like we, we hear it all the time, um, a brand will come to us and they'll ask like for a very, very specific type of guy they're looking for. Hey, we want a guy that has ties to, you know, this cause or, hey, we want a guy that's into uh, streaming or we want a guy that's into Twitch or like there's stuff like that. And the more that you broadcast that and, and you, you know, set yourself up for that, you can start to become that face as in terms of NFL guys, right? If you're a guy that loves to do Twitch and streaming and stuff like that, performing on the field there's going to be money for you off the field and streaming and stuff there's there's brands that are starting to get into that right if you're a guy in fashion and you're wearing the nicest fashion to the game every weekend and week out and you're performing well they're going to highlight that right so i think it's just keeping the main thing is performing on the field but then maximizing those off the field moments to sustain you um in the long run yeah. Only thing I'll add to that is, you know, invest in the surrounding community on the off days. Like we have community Tuesdays where a lot of our players just go and do community service work. You know, you may not be the most high profile player on the field, but you can be the most highly seen person in the community. Right. So one thing I do with our rookies and our practice squad guys who don't play a lot is we go out and do community service. You know, so if your face keeps popping up out in the community, even though it's not popping up on Sundays, they're still seeing you. So if they're going to see you, they see a guy that's out in the community it may not be like the Nikes or the Adidas or those top brands, but it'll be a whole bunch of community organizations that see you as somebody that's just as invested in the surrounding community as, you know, as you are in football and opportunities come from there too. And I think as, you know, for those that are looking to kind of, you're in the league now, you're trying to get your face out there, trying to build your brand. If you're not getting those looks on the field, if you're not getting those, those plays on the field, 
pivot and start working with some local community groups. Like start supporting, start supporting the same people that support you on Sundays. Right. And again, that you may not be, I tell our players all the time, you may not be from South Florida, but South Florida comes to watch you every single Sunday. So why not take a Tuesday or an off day to go and check out some of the local community organizations on, you know, on a Tuesday and give back. So the same way they support you on Sundays, you can support them on Tuesdays and it becomes a mutually beneficial. Um, it becomes mutually beneficial to where now you're getting looks. You're not, and you may not even be playing, but because you're spending a lot of your time serving back and giving back in the community, they see that as just as valuable. Yeah. No, that's good. I, it makes me think of the, uh, I think it was the old lineman, from the Patriots that did the baby shower for all those mm-hmm. mothers, single mothers. Yeah. That's something that got so much notoriety and so much uh, media time. And I'm sure that opportunities are going to be flowing for him, you know, especially, especially now. So that's, that's one great example too. Love it. It definitely sounds like a way to maximize, you know, your presence, the position that you're in. Um, but as we kind of come to a close, I just wanted to ask both of you all, um, if for all the people listening, right, all the viewers, all the listeners, especially the student athletes looking to go to the next level, what is one thing you want them to take away from this conversation? One thing you want to leave them with? Man. I'll, 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 I'll kick it off. Um, you know, as a, as a wide receiver, we're always taught to keep your head on a swivel, right? You know, where, wherever you're at in the route, the ball could be coming at any moment. Could be, you know, in your face, could be behind you, could be lower, could be upper, Keep your head on a swivel. And what, I, what I would say is keep your head on a swivel, no matter what opportunity presents itself, be ready for it. You know, that could be a professional opportunity in the sport that you play, or it could be a business opportunity. I kid you not, that's how I got to my role here with the Dolphins. Um, again, I wanted to be in the NFL. You know, it didn't work out for me, you know, as far as playing, but I still right now work in the NFL. Like I am, like my check is signed by the Miami Dolphins, just like our players' checks are signed by the Miami Dolphins. And so, um, I kind of feel like my life has come full circle because I feel like God had other plans for me to where I wanted to play in the NFL so bad that God was like, well, no, I'm going to get you to the NFL. It just may not be the way in which you saw it. It may wow. not be the way in which you envisioned it, you know? And so when it comes to, you know, just, I would say, keep your head on a swivel because an opportunity is going to come. It may not be the opportunity in the way that you saw it or the way that you envisioned it, but it'll be an opportunity nonetheless. And you got to be able to maximize those opportunities when they present themselves. Yeah, yeah and I- that's great. And I think um, mine would be probably, you know, tying back to that that identity thing. Like you're more than just athlete. You're more than just um, that star player at your college or more than that star player in the NFL, right? This game is a tool and it's not your identity, but that by all means doesn't negate the, the effort that you give to the game, right? The way you do one thing is the way that you do everything. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, similar to, similar to Alex, you know, Alexander, um, I thought I was going to lead too, right? You know, I, and, it, and it showed that I didn't get there how I thought I would, but I've taken what I've learned from the game, the good and the bad, to help now pour into guys that are that are going to have next steps. So what can you take from this game that can really help set you up, right? When it's, whether it's meeting with people that's going to help you out in the future to better understand who you are, what you want to do, meeting with CEOs, you know, to help position you for after the game. Um, or just better in the lives of those around you, right? Your family, your your friends, your uh, brothers, your sisters, like all that type of stuff. Like this game is a tool that can help maximize a lot of things out of your life um, and be a blessing to those around you. So uh, you're more than an athlete. This game is a tool, but then also, um, you know, this is like me going back to the pro talk, you know, start, you're, you're a pro from way before you become 
a professional athlete, right? And, and that doesn't necessarily mean you might not make it to the pros, but you're the way you live your life, can somebody look at you and say, you know, this guy's a pro, right? This guy does things the right way. This this lady does things the right way. A lady and a man of integrity or, or, or good standing. So that's those are the two things that I want to leave you guys with, man. Love it, man. Prepare like a pro. Be like a pro. Be ready when the opportunity presents itself. And then we always do a rapid fire as we end, you know. So just wanted to change it up. Have a little fun with these questions. So tell us about your favorite football stadium that you've ever been to or played in? What you going with? Uh, been, been to? I'll, I'll say been to. SoFi Stadium was crazy. Like, great. We're crazy. SoFi, SoFi was crazy. Yeah. I didn't play in it, but I, I seen it. The way they made that stadium was crazy. Yeah, I might agree with that. SoFi <laughs> was definitely, definitely like that. That's just an experience. I'll say that. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's the model for the new stadium. <laughs> yeah. It's got to be. All right. Would you rather kick a field goal to tie or go for two for the win? Give me the two point. I want the win. Yeah. I want the win. Listen, we're going, we going for it. We're going for it. <laughs> also, being a defensive guy, you know, I want to I, I give my guys a shot, too. So, depending, depending on what the defense look like, I might go kick the field goal. <laughs> All right. Best player you ever watched in person, played with, or against? Oh, man. I'm going to say watched. I think my favorite player is Bob Miller. Uh, the fact that, you know, he's, he's a vet, I think, 12 years in the league and still doing what he does right now. That, that guy, is, he's a beast. Yeah. Um, I, would, I watched Tyreek Hill play every single day. and it's It's crazy. Like, I've never seen someone be able to run – a 4-2-40, like, mid-route. Like, dude's running a post, 4-2-4-2. Like, it's it's crazy. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, color rush uniforms on Thursday nights or Thursday, throwback, Thursday, uh, throwback jerseys? You can pick the team. It can be – it don't have to be the Dolphins. <laughs> Dolphins got the best throwbacks by far. Like, I think that's nationally known. Dolphins got the best throwbacks by far. Hey, it might, might be a little biased there, you know. <laughs> paying them a little extra for that. I, I'm, a, I'm a general throwback guy. I like throwbacks. Like, I have throwback jerseys that I just, you know, like I like the Eagles throwback jerseys. Um, there's a couple more, but generally, I, I just like the throwbacks. Throwbacks, yeah. All right. And then last one, best pregame meal. It's a hard one. <laughs> I know y'all eat good in Miami. Y'all eat good in Miami. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I'm not really too picky of an eater, really. Anything I got chicken for real, for real. <laughs> I will. I will say the the pregame pasta hits different. Like the yeah, pasta is different. You can add it. You can add in the chicken, the peppers, the onions, the shrimp, or you can make it. Or you can like if you don't want the pasta, you can make it a stir fry, add a little bit of teriyaki. Like Ooh, pregame okay. pasta is different. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Alexander and Moses, thank you so much for your time. I really think this conversation is going to be beneficial for our viewers, our student athletes who tune into it. So I really hope they really learn a lot. I think, um, you know, coming from your backgrounds, coming from your experiences, it definitely added value. So um, we'll definitely catch up with you next time. But again, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate, right. appreciate it, man. Definitely was a great conversation. Perfect. Have to do part two soon. Part three. <laughs> Part two coming soon, best believe. All right, man. Y'all have a good rest of your day.
All right now. See y'all. Thank you. All right, let's see if we can make that edit out. All right. Cool. Stop recording. <laughs>